When talking about modern blockbuster films, things that come to mind include Marvel's Avengers, Star Wars, all of these action-packed films, but I feel like if you think about this in the context of the 90s and the 2000s, other blockbuster films include things like the comedy genre. Let's not forget things like uh, Rush Hour, Mrs. Doubtfire, Meet the Parents, even American Pie, Austin Powers. When these films came out, everybody was talking about them. And I'm not saying that comedy films are no longer important. We love them here, but it seems like in the in this uh, online era, a lot of these things are now more so familiarized with things like Hulu, Netflix. So in this podcast episode, one Ryan McNulty uh, found this article from the ringer.com making a really interesting argument and we wanted to bring it over here with a brand new episode coming at you each and every Sunday with yours truly Juan Velas from Puerto Rico and joining me we have the man with the article Ryan you did your research at least uh I'm putting you on the spot so if you didn't Indeed. do your research the, the 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 blame's really fully on you how are you doing Mr. McNulty I'm doing good and yes, the the article I'm, I'm pulling up here and referencing is um, from TheRinger.com, as you mentioned. Uh, it's by Alan Siegel, and it is about sort of the end of the blockbuster comedy and looking back to 2008, which was one of kind of it was sort of the end of an era for the blockbuster comedy. If you think about 2008. The summer blockbuster comedies included Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Step Brothers, Pineapple Express, and Tropic Thunder. All very memorable comedies that people quote to this day. At least, you know, there's at least one quote that comes out of any one of those movies. Step Brothers, I think, there's multiple. And Tropic Thunder as well. Um, But the interesting kind of take was... That at the end of the day, the movie industry is about one thing, uh, and that is the money. The money. And with the kind of explosion of the comic book action movie genre, you have the movie industry focused on big opening weekends. And if you think about Avengers and you think about even like the Transformer movies or the Fast and the Furious movies, they're trying to hit those huge opening weekends. People are pre-ordering their tickets, all the things like that. Um, So that's really what the movie industry is putting their dollars towards. Sure, they'll throw some money at some comedies, but you're not going to get the $80 million comedy like you would with a movie like Tropic Thunder anymore. Um, They're not going to take that kind of chance. And the reality is with comedy movies, they sometimes get popular by word of mouth. And I believe they reference that um, for certain comedy movies... um, that the fourth opening weekend, the fourth weekend was bigger than the third weekend. So people would talk about how great these movies are and they would start to to grow. And I think that happened even with the, like the Hangover movies, at least the first one was word of mouth made the, the movie even more popular. So that kind of exponential growth, the movie industry, eh-eh. they don't they don't care about that anymore. They want the big opening weekends. They want the guaranteed money, which means we really just don't see comedy movies on the same stage as we used to. And that's kind of the interesting take that this article laid out and how you think of all these movies that came out in 2008. There was even You Don't Mess With the Zohan, which I heard was bad, but apparently it did I big numbers. That. <laughs> I, I watched that out of all the places... 
at a barber shop. It was on screen. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, I'm here waiting to get a haircut. And even then, it was simply too much for me. I didn't, re- I didn't like that at all. <laughs> Nevertheless, I think it did big box office numbers. And there's, um, there's a few other listed here. There was the Sex in the City movie, Maid of Honor. But all those coming out in 2008. And you think of 2019 and, you know, this past year. And there was only two um, high-earning comedy movies. And that was Last Christmas, which I did not see. And Good Boy. Oh, no. Wait, wait. Yeah. Last Christmas. Is that like the the, the Netflix movie? Or available on Netflix? Is that the one I'm thinking know. of? I mean, it, it grossed $121 million, So, I'm going to guess that it was not just a Netflix movie. I, I got to look. Oh, my. That piece of crap film? Oh, my goodness. No, I oh, actually right, saw right. that. Wait, you did no. see it. Don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. I no. still need to see oh. the movie. It's, oh, yeah. It's, the, it's um, with... Oh. <laughs> It's with uh, Daenerys from Game of Thrones, but mm-hmm. yeah. The other movie mentioned was Good Boys, which did feel like a kind of old school blockbuster comedy. If you haven't seen Good Boys, it's uh, it's an incredible. Is, movie. is that like a kid version of The Hangover? It, I haven't seen like, it, but I think that's kind of middle what I heard school it super to. bad is the best way I can describe it. Middle Ooh. school kid super bad. Definitely see it. It's amazing. That sounds interesting, but you make a really good point because. You got to think about this from the marketing perspective. And and like you've mentioned, I mean, movies are meant to be enjoyed, but ultimately they're meant to make money. And when you think about an action film, people always say like, oh, Ryan, you got to watch this this weekend because, you know, there's this huge car chase. I think about the Fast and the Furious movies, right? I think there's a a certain type of movie that you want to see it in the opening weekend. It's still available afterwards and you can technically watch it, but it's not the same thing. I don't think that even for my favorite comedy films i've ever been like oh man i gotta go opening weekend there is always the exception right for some like really outrageous stuff but generally speaking i don't think people envision comedy movies in the same level as action films even though and as somebody that comes from a digital production background a lot of the directors and producers that talked to us told us hey the hardest movies to make are comedy movies because you can blow a car up in the action movie and there's action right there But the comedy movie, you have to try to anticipate what people are going to laugh at, what people are going to enjoy. And we're talking about 2008. I mean, that was a really diverse year out of that year. uh, Which movies really come to mind that you really enjoyed? For me, uh, Step Brothers and Tropic Thunder were were the two big ones. And that, you know, Step Brothers, I remember seeing it in theaters. And, you know, we, we talk about, you know, we talk about in-person experiences right and that is probably the that's like a movie that i felt like because i saw it in theaters it made it funnier because it was a packed theater and you know laughing is contagious so the oh yeah you kind of miss that experience because now you know and this article points out a lot of comedy movies have really shifted to netflix just kind of due to studios not really wanting to put too much money behind them anymore. And you do lose out um, because the blockbuster comedy pack theater, really funny movie. Nothing really beats that experience. You can have a couple friends at home and watch it. um, But really having all those extra people, even if you don't know them, it doesn't matter. Laughing is contagious and it does make a big difference. And I think uh, you're a lot more tolerable or you tolerate people more in comedy films and the theaters and anything else because 
if you if you're at a drama a drama film, uh, a quiet place, right? Quiet place is the movie where you don't want to hear anything, right? You want people to be quiet to enjoy that. But with a comedy uh, with a comedy movie in the theaters, it's almost expected. Like I want you to be loud. I want you to laugh out loud. And almost like a counter to, to my own point, I do feel like. Um, I'm never as tempted to watch a comedy film in the theaters, but for the big ones that come out there, like Rush Hour 2, I remember watching that in the theaters and just freaking loving it. Uh, I love you, man, and a bunch of that stuff. You know, you brought up Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder, to me, was a film that I absolutely love watching. It's going to be a movie that, for a fact, at some point in the future, we are going to review this film because, because things. This movie, like, do you think this movie would be made uh, nowadays for... For kind of obvious reasons. I do think it could still be made. I think a lot of the jokes would definitely be changed and be different. But I will say, yeah, Tropic Thunder is one that I feel should be dissected as a... It, it should be... Because it is, in a way... Because on surface level, it's a funny it's a funny movie. But you can go a level deeper with this movie because it is, it's a critique of Hollywood and, you know, kind of the structure of making movies. So that's a whole nother layer to dissect that, as you said, we should get into someday. Um, so I won't harp on it too much, but, um, you know, it, it's a more sophisticated comedy than it's even kind of letting on. Oh, without a doubt. And what I love is that Will Ferrell, let's go back to Step Brothers now. Will Ferrell is this fascinating thing that you either like him or you loathe him, like not dislike. You, I, I don't think I know anybody that feels indifferent about him. Yet I, I films say, like here, I will say Will Ferrell for Will Ferrell for me is hit or miss depending on the movie. There's some movies I think he's like Step Brothers. Will Ferrell love it. Elf, I don't care for as much. I know people are near and dear to that movie, but I, I just don't give a damn. And yeah, there's sometimes uh, some movies that lands for me, others it doesn't. Yeah, like for me, Anchorman is like a peak Will Ferrell for me. No, Anchorman 2, I walked out of the movie theater. <laughs> Legitimately. <laughs> I disliked it. And I've watched the first Anchorman movie like 20 times. But then when talking about Step Brothers, I think that... When you mesh him with another actor like John C. Riley and just like the overall like ridiculous aspect of this film, right? The fact that it's like these grown-ass men that don't really grow up and it really blends itself together with like Will Ferrell's like outrageous over-the-top yeah, acting. Already, I think it just really works. He's already the man-child, right? So yep. just put him in a role that that fits and John C. Riley it worked perfectly you know, uh, I mean, there was proof that the formula doesn't always work again because they did that Holmes and Watson movie, which is a complete disaster. But I didn't watch that. It, I only saw a moment of it and you would walk out of the theater, trust me, or oh, walk, you'd walk out of your living room and never come back. Okay, it's that bad. Um, but Step Brothers, you know, the stars aligned and it was magic. I feel like uh, we responsibly have to bring up Pineapple, uh, Pineapple Express because would you say this is the film where the whole obsession with James Franco started? Because I feel like people always like James Franco, but damn it. I am so sick. Like you mentioned it uh, at the beginning of this episode, like a lot, a lot of these films are still quoted today, but I think people quote the essence of the James Franco character 
uh, because of Pineapple Pineapple Express to the point that I just like frustrated. He's like, I get it. It's a good movie. It is just insane. It is ridiculous. Uh, what did you think of it? Yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty funny movie. And this was when Seth Rogen was really on like his run of just blockbuster comedy movie one after another. Um, and that was a time where it was literally, hey, Seth Rogen's in another comedy movie. I'm going to see it in theaters. Like that's he he had reached that level, I think, for me and a, a lot of my friends. And I think, you know, across a, a wider audience as well. Um, and yeah, Pineapple Express is definitely where I, I started to look at, um, James Franco as a comedy actor, because before then I really only knew him from Spider-Man and you're, you like, so good. It's so good. (laughs) You, you kind of didn't think of him as a comedy actor and now I've seen, you know, James Franco seems like he's just always doing a comedy movie now. So um, that was really kind of a a, a defining uh, moment for him where people looked at him differently. Something that I'm taking a look at while looking at this list of uh, different comedy films in, in 2008, I'm noticing like how outrageous they are. And don't get me wrong. I think comedy films have always had that. Like you, you even look at something like we mentioned, uh, uh, Rush Hour, Austin Powers, right? International Man of Mystery. We got to talk about Austin Powers eventually. I think it would be disrespectful for us to do a, a podcast like this because, damn, there's a lot of meat on that bone. You could just talk about so many different things from Mike Myers to everything else. But here, you look at like how outrageous these films are, like Pineapple Express, uh, Tropic Thunder. Oh, there's Zombieland. Do you think... Yeah, yeah, yeah like, like Zombieland. Do you think that comedy films in order to reach that blockbuster uh, status. And maybe that's even why that happened. You know, uh, part of that article pointed out that even if a film is profitable, the problem is like a lot of these, these films do cost a lot of money in comparison to something like horror films. Like horror films can be made with almost next to nothing depending on the creativity. And they are some of the most profitable, fil- profit- profitable films uh, out there. <laughs> you got it. You got there. Do you, are, are you a big fan of like the more normal like comedy films? Like to me, an example of that I do got to bring up is I Love You, Man, right? A film that not a whole lot visually happens, but then you look at something like Tropic Thunder and without question, yeah, it's about the laughs. But I mean, you can it's feel much, the money yeah, flying off the screen. That's a big budget comedy movie right there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the TiVo, like, where do you stand the helicopter and the TiVo, that's a, that's a big oh, yeah. budget right there. I mean, the, the movie makes fun of it, right? It's like, it's self-referential. Like, this is so expensive. No, actually, it's like, it, it super is expensive. Yeah. Where do you stand on like, like on comedy? Do you like the more uh, subtle comedy or more laid back? Or do you like this more outrageous type? Uh, I definitely enjoy, I enjoy both really. And so Good Boys, a movie you need to see is, you know, a a case that these movies are still out there. They're just a lot less common, right? Because that is, I don't know how big of a budget it is. It's not doing too many ridiculous things, but it has got that outrageous, you know, you're laughing every, you know, every 30 seconds type of uh, writing to it. Um, but then I do also appreciate the more kind of subtle comedies. So it really is. I mean, comedies are all about one thing and that's good writing and good acting, right? It's can you write quality, funny jokes and can your actors make land the delivery on those? So 
um, as you said, I can see that's why that's one of the hardest movies to make because, yeah, anyone can blow up a car and it's the same thing. But can everyone write something that's funny and can every actor land that delivery to make it that funny? Um, so it, it really comes down to writing, but I love the over the top ridiculous stuff, but I can also sit there and appreciate, you know, a movie where even if they just sat in one room, the entire movie, if the writing is really good, then and I that's will appreciate it's sometimes it. best. I think it's just so hard to get there because when it's bad, it feels awkward because you, you can tell they're trying. And even going back to this article, something that I found fascinating actually got some quotes from a couple of different actors. Uh, it says here, and I quote, Unfortunately, the R-rated comedy genre is dead. American Pie's uh, Sean William Scott told me last year. Stifler, They're, Not man. me, by the way, the article. That's yeah, Stifler. <laughs> Never forget, man. Uh, they're just not making them because they just don't make money. Just the whole business model is completely changed. It's easier to make a cheap, good quality horror movie for less than $5 million. Uh, last year, for context, Scott headlined one of those scary movies, Bloodline. So here we have an actor that has seen that happen live, right? Where it is like, uh, that brings another question or thing. Where you have movies like Rush Hour, and I'm bringing it up, and like Mrs. Doubtfire, because they're a lot more family friendly. And that's the biggest challenge, because... A lot of these other films, you would not bring your family to it, yeah, right? Everyone can go see Avengers and it's making billions of dollars. Yep. But and not, not just everyone. That, you can get them toys. Yeah, exactly. And then you can look at, hey, I mean, there's the movies like 21 and 22 Jump Street, right? They're kind of action packed comedies, but because they're rated R comedies, they cost money to make and it's only for a smaller subset of you know, the American audience or the worldwide audience. And that was another thing the article mentioned is, so not only are you dividing it down to, okay, it's got to be 17 plus or whatever, or, you know, some teenagers, if accompanied by an adult, whatever that segment is, but then you got to think, okay, worldwide Avengers, everyone wants to see everyone all over the world wants to see Avengers, but do all of these American comedies necessarily translate for the worldwide audience? You know what I mean? Are people in other countries as interested? Because a lot sometimes these comedies are very name driven, right? Um, are those names as big worldwide? Whereas the superheroes, or even just the overall jokes, a lot yeah. of times the joke can be for like a North yeah, American it, audience. Exactly, it may not translate. It just may not translate. And I think. Uh you know, this article, the title is related to blockbuster, you know, it says Step Brothers and the peak of summer blockbuster comedy. I would actually shift that and say, like, blockbuster films in 2020, and we'll have to wait to see what happens now with like the pandemic, and we're seeing movies that are not going to come out in theaters, are going to come out directly to services. But blockbuster is a fancy way of saying a movie that needs to appeal to a whole lot of people, and that we can make money on them. And I think the challenge is that a lot of these films that in, in 2008, the world was very different. Like, I mean, you, you even look at Tropic Thunder, right? It's an awesome movie, but it's so different. And the scary part is that kind of like when Dave Chappelle, I think Dave Chappelle, not in any of these movies, but I think you kind of know where I'm going at. A lot of his, uh, his comedy back then was seen as like very controversial. The man comes back, does a stand up on Netflix, and it's pretty much the same person all of a sudden he gets backlash. And I think it's just like the risk 
to reward ratio, not just from like a monetary perspective, like you mentioned. These films depended so much on word of mouth. I'm watching Step Brothers, like Will Ferrell, like that example of you have people that like him or hate him. So maybe unless you're my friend and you tell me, Juan, I know you don't like Will Ferrell, but you got to watch this film. Unless that happens, a lot of people have made up their mind about watching this film or not. I feel like the topic of having an R-rated film is a challenge from a, from a budgetary perspective, but also from like a, like a controversy perspective, because it's like comedy is like easily the most offending thing within the context of films, right? Yeah, again, so it all comes down to risk. And, and that's kind of, it's the sad thing about the movie industry, right? Is that it's a business, right? That's the, kind of the saddest part because, you know, you have people, you know, movies are an art, right? And you think, okay, well, if there is someone who has a good idea and they want to make that a movie, they should just be able to, right? But because there is a business side to it, at the end of the day, it comes down to what's going to make money, what's less risk. You know, why why take the risk and spend $80 million on a rated R comedy that may offend people and may not make money when I can spend $200 million on a action movie that's guaranteed to make me money and that's just the way movie studios are going. So it does open up the doors for streaming services like Netflix and Hulu to really take over and be able to take in actors. I know like Adam Sandler has a deal with Netflix to make movies. So it does open the door for some of these smaller comedies. But again, you're losing, like I said, that in theater experience with a blockbuster comedy that really, I think, can't be beat. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, capitalism wins, as sad as it is. We don't get to see um, art in its truest form because it comes down to the money. No, and uh, to sort of like uh, put out a, not a pretty ribbon because it's not a pretty conversation. Right? It's kind of sad that uh, I, I think we are among the last generation to see this happen. When you put the pandemic into the mix, you look at all the movies being delayed either indefinitely, uh, being delayed till next year. I think that is even a bigger risk for these films because it's like, ooh, do you want to market that film in the current landscape, right? Do you really want to do a film that was already high risk and then that yeah, happens? Yeah, it's going to further... It, yeah, it, it's going to further exacerbate the problem, right? Um, because think of all these studios that are losing money right now because of this, because the movies that they were supposed to be out are not out. So you think they're going to want to take a risk on some of these, you know, rated R comedies now? No, because they're trying to make sure they're not losing out on their big movies that were supposed to come out this year. So, um, I, I think a lot of movie companies, you know, the whole movie industries, they're going to be kind of in, they're all kind of just bleeding money right now so I, I like i said the problem's just gotten it's only going to get worse because of this yes sir for everybody watching and listening please uh don't hesitate to reach out on social media uh a cast of the past on twitter and facebook we do have a discord over at a cast of the slash discord we can have that conversation and at the same time uh let us know within these different movies that we brought up which one of these should we take like a deeper dive into? Because I do think that a lot of them, whether we like the film or not, 
it is a thing that, you know, these films came out 12 years ago and the landscape and the movie scene in the world was so different then than now that it's just like a really fun conversation to have. But um, I think that the, the last thing I'd like to ask you, to, Ryan, and then I'll answer is now that a lot of films are coming out on Hulu, on Netflix, that are comedies that are, that are R-rated films, do you feel like more or less tempted? Like, as you mentioned to you, it's very important, that live atmosphere. You're technically getting those films. A lot of them are technically still coming out because of these contracts with like Amazon Prime and all that. Are you actually like venturing there? Or you even brought up word of mouth. Like, are you even getting people talking to you about these different films on the services? I've definitely gotten, you know, word of mouth on certain films, not necessarily any recent comedies, unfortunately. Um, I've kind of been the one spreading word of mouth about, you know, a movie like Good Boys. Um, but I, I definitely be open to it. I think word of mouth is definitely the most powerful thing for me for a comedy. Um, if there, if it's not a kind of actor I know and I'm familiar with that I know has been funny in previous movies. Um, so, I, yeah, word of mouth to me means the most. Uh, right now, I'm not really browsing for comedy movies to watch most of the time. But if I hear from someone, oh, this movie's hilarious, go check it out. That that means a lot to me. So I, I will usually want, want to watch it. Yeah, to me, uh, it's actually been very difficult because when I go to something like Netflix and Hulu, I get very overwhelmed. So unless somebody tells me directly, hey, check this out, then I will. More often than not, I find myself watching shows. I think shows are a lot easier to digest in that if you don't like it, it's uh, often 30 minutes, right? A comedy shows tend to be around that length, which even presents another challenge, right? Where you can throw that on Netflix or something, but you could watch maybe an hour and a half of a hopefully good comedy, or you could watch three episodes of a series. And if you like it, there's a whole lot more. And that could lead to things not getting sequels in a movie, right? You could watch a, a trilogy of movies, or you could just watch three seasons uh, of a show. So uh, everybody, please keep that conversation. As we mentioned, we do, uh, if you, this is your first time watching or listening, welcome. And you're more than welcome to subscribe to youtube.com slash a cast of the past, or leave that five-star review on your favorite podcast app of choice. And even, even on Facebook, you can leave that. And that makes Ryan myself and keith hamilton very very happy so up until next time we will be back with another exciting episode of a cast to the past ryan i want to watch tropic thunder now i, I actually have it on blu-ray really yeah do, do we do people well, why, even really do, why are you surprised i, I well, could i bought movies who even then? buys i don't know i know we have the game it was 2008 right 2008, <laughs> was 2008. What the hell? i was like we have that whole physical media debate but dvds is where i'm like ah forget it damn it 